guys, welcome to the podcast, Fast Break Hoops. Today I'm back again with my co-host, fortunately, and we're going to be talking about The Last Dance, episodes 7 and 8. And don't forget to check out our other podcast, A Girl and a Guy on TV. You can find um, commentaries on movies, TV shows, we do some funny impressions over there. A little bit of sports, a little bit of celebrities, but mostly um, movies and TV shows. And I also do this, that podcast with Matt, um, a girl, a guy, and a TV. Check us out. Yeah, it's basically a lot of, uh, you know, we do a lot of pop culture episodes on that podcast. So, Of popular TV shows and movies. Yeah, if sports isn't your thing, then go check us out there. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to be talking about, like you said, episode 7 and 8 of The Last Dance. Alright, so what's episode 7 about? So, episode 7 is um, about basically the death of uh, Michael Jordan's father and Michael Jordan going to play baseball. So... Do you, so this happened right after his first three-peat, correct? Right. All right, I'm just doing some fact-checking. Um, his father, yes, he was murdered. Yes, he was murdered. Um, July 23, 1993, at the age of 56. Wow. And he was murdered by a gunshot wound. He was shot as he slept in his car that Michael Jordan had just recently purchased him. A red Lexus Lexus. SC400 with a North Carolina license plate that read UNC0023. And I guess he had, you know, he was coming back from a funeral and he pulled over on the highway to take a nap and two, I think, teenagers spotted the car and they didn't obviously know it was Michael Jordan's dad and they shot him to death while he was sleeping and then they stole the vehicle and um, Michael Jordan's father's body was found on August 3rd in a swamp in McCall, South Carolina. And this part really got to me. I mean, it's, it's, always, it's obviously a horrible story, but his body was in such a state of extreme decomposition, decomposition, so he was not identified until later, until like a couple weeks later with the help of dental records. And um, his body had previously been cremated by the coroner due to lack of storage space, but his jaw and hands were preserved for identification. And I guess that the teenagers, they realized it was Michael Jordan's father because they had taken items from the car, including two NBA championships rings that Michael gave to his, that Michael gave to his um, dad. And then they made several calls from his cell phone, and then as a result, they were immediately captured. And they got sentenced to life imprisonment for this and other violent crimes. But I think I also read that one of them is appealing, but I think the appeal was overturned. But I mean, just think about that. I mean, they obviously didn't know it, it, it was Michael Jordan's father. And that could have been one of their heroes, you know? I mean, Michael Jordan, I mean, he was a hero to so many kids. Right. And just the brutality of the crime, shooting even if it wasn't Michael Jordan's father, shooting a man as he sleeps yeah. in, in, in cold blood, I mean, and stealing his car and throwing his body into a swamp and, or throwing it off a bridge into a swamp, I mean, it's just disgusting. They say that he was, you know, driving back uh, from... Funeral. Yeah, funeral, and he stopped to sleep and get yeah. some rest. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. 
I mean, they were going to murder him anyway. I personally would not sleep in a, a nice car. Well, not that, but an unfamiliar area uh, or, you know, I would go to a rest stop and sleep. But you know what doesn't make any sense? Why didn't he have a professional chauffeur? I mean, he's Michael Jordan's dad. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, he had, a, he had a brand new car that Michael Jordan bought him, but I mean... What I you, guess... If you were Michael Jordan's father, your son is in the limelight. He had just won his first three-peat. Yeah. He's everywhere. He's got, you know, the Gatorade um, sponsorships, Nike, uh, Be Like Mike, those promo, for, right. um, promos. I don't know if he had started doing Hanes or anything, or, you know, Free the Loom, Hanes, remember? Right. That from, like, the 90s, but... It's like, wouldn't you... I would be so protective of, like, my, like, parents... And have, like, a bodyguard with them, have, like, security, have a personal chauffeur. I mean, wouldn't you? Yes. I probably would, <laughs> but his dad probably... Insisted on just, you know, being independent. Yeah. Well, I think they fell into, like, being from the same small town their entire life. Nothing ever happens. And then, like, when their son becomes this huge celebrity. And it's like... And not to say that... That you know, we obviously think that they didn't know who it was. They, they didn't. Well, it's that after him. searching, yeah. after searching through his belongings, they realized that he was the father. Right. So they did not target him. Exactly. It was just a crime of greed and yeah, basically yeah, greed. But I'm saying, even in my opinion, even if he had not been sleeping, I feel like they would have carjacked him. Yeah. If he was at like a stop. Probably. And that's one risk of riding around a really nice new car. I mean, you're more of a target. I mean, that's just a realization. Everyone has to live with if you do drive around in a super nice car. Yeah, but that shouldn't be the case. No, definitely not. Definitely not. No, I, I mean, I know that. I'm just saying it's just a horrible tragedy. So this prompts Michael Jordan to retire from the game of basketball because he, doesn't he say like he lacks the desire to play the game? Yeah, basically after that, he was mentally spent, he told Phil Jackson. And his father's name was James R. Jordan Sr. Yeah. Wait, Sr.? So who's... So Michael Jordan's brother must be... Yeah. I mean, his brother must be a junior. Yeah, Okay. so. Okay, so, so he must have siblings. Yeah, he's got two brothers. Okay, makes sense. Okay, so his, just his name is James Jordan Sr., just FYI. Anyway, it's just horrible Very tragedy. horrible, yes. And it had a big impact on... I like, never knew that, honestly. I mean, I didn't really follow sports much. His life. I never knew that his father was murdered. And a lot of people, you know, um, if they've experienced something to that extent where they've lost, you know, a parent or something, like if horrible circumstances, uh, you know, it, it causes people to need to... Uh, have reprieve and rest and to mentally process things, you know. So I think a lot of people can relate to why after that, Michael Jordan just didn't want to play basketball anymore for a while. So. Apparently he had five children, including Michael Jordan. So Michael Jordan must have had, I wonder, I think it was all the same mother, yeah, spouse, Dolores Peebles, married 1956 to 1993. So Michael Jordan must have had four siblings. Sounds about right. Just looking it up. Continue to talk. So that's what sparked him to retire and go play baseball. Yes. 
and he went to play baseball, and he played for, you know, I think a season and a half in for the, uh, you know, a Chicago White Sox minor league team. I think they were called the Birmingham Bears. I think it's Barons. Or Barons, maybe. Yeah. Because wasn't it his dad's dream for him to play baseball? Yep. Did his father play it? Or he just, like, really loved the game? I'm not sure. I don't think he didn't play it professionally, I don't know. But I'm sure that he just loved the game. Right. And I just looked this up. Their first child, James and Dolores' son, was James Ronald Ronnie Jr. So, there we go. So. And then they had... Michael Jordan when they were living in Brooklyn. So by that time they had already had um, three children. So he must be the fourth of five. Yep, four, he was a, he's the fourth of five. Anyway, he was apparently a very big baseball fan. Jordan Sr., he went semi-pro himself. In his autobiography and interviews throughout his career, Michael Jordan recounted that it was his father's vision that he become a baseball star. Baseball was, in fact, the first sport Jordan Sr. had taught him to play. Michael recounted that this was a major factor in his decision to try baseball after his first retirement from the NBA. So what does semi-pro mean? Like minor league. So, he, so they were basically on the same par. Basically. It's interesting. But he was also, Jordan Sr. was a lifelong basketball fan. Yeah. Michael Jordan had an end because, you know, uh, he knew people in Chicago that ran baseball teams, you know, Jay Krause and Jay Reinsdorf. So. So you think that's why he was able to go into baseball? You don't think he had natural ability? I don't think he would have gone without that end. I don't think he would have made it, honestly. It's kind of a weird transition just to do that. And they said they sent him to straight to double A because of all, like, the, uh, you know, there wasn't enough room for the press in single A baseball. So that's why I sent him to double A. And is that, that's still minor leagues? Yep. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, the middle level of the minor leagues. Yes. He was, um, this says that, yes, he signed, yeah, you're right, with the Chicago White Sox. But that's the Birmingham Barons. Yeah, a minor league affiliate of the White Sox. Yes. yes. A double-A minor league affiliate. You're correct. He batted .202 with three home runs, 51 runs batted in, 30 stolen bases, 114 strikeouts, 51 base on balls, and 11 errors. He did pretty well. I mean, all things considered, I think he did pretty well. The White Sox were another team owned by Bulls owner Jerry Reinsdorf. Yes. That's the connection he had. All right. The Birmingham Barons. Interesting. And then, in the 93-94 season, the Bulls achieved a 55-27 record without Jordan. And they lost to the New York Knicks in the second round of the playoffs. And they were a shell of themselves. Struggling at midseason to ensure a spot in the playoffs, Chicago was 31-31 at one point in mid-March 
but they received help when he returned. So was episode seven just about his playing baseball, or was it also about his return to the game in 95? I think it was also about his return to the game in 95, yeah. Okay. Well, what was episode eight about? You said that that was your favorite episode. Well, oh, and we should also say that in March 95, he decided to quit baseball due to the ongoing Major League Baseball strike as he wanted to avoid becoming a potential replacement player. On March 18, 1995, he announced his return to the NBA through a two-word press release. I'm back. Yeah. And then the next day, he took to the court to face the Pacers. Wearing number 45. That game had the highest Nielsen rating of a regular season NBA game since 1975. And the Bulls lost in overtime. Yes. So, they went 13-4, though, to make the playoffs. They advanced to the Eastern Conference semifinals against the Orlando Magic. And they got their asses kicked. Because that was when Shaq went to the finals. Yes. Against the Houston Rockets. Right. Right. Because Shaq was like, you know, he mm-hmm. wasn't in his prime yet, was he? Nobody's uh, getting there. Yeah. So, do you think if Michael Jordan had never left, like, there's a lot of hypothetical, do you think if he had never left to go play baseball for, you know, that year and a half, do you think he would have been able to beat the Magic? Mm. How well Shaq was playing at that time. I believe so. Right. What was the um, score at the end? Oh, yeah. Oh, this is interesting. Did you know that the Bulls were fined $25,000 for failing to report the number change when he... Because he apparently went from 45, and then he immediately decided to wear his former number 23. I did not know that. And then he was, Jordan was fined an additional $5,000 for opting to wear white sneakers when the rest of the Bulls wore black. Mm. He averaged 31 points per game, but Orlando won the series in six games. So even yeah. then, it was, it was like a pressure cooker. Yeah. yeah. It was definitely, you know, competitive. Maybe he wasn't, you know, what he was, but then it just fueled him. He was pretty ass shape. His competitive drive him. fueled him yeah. to, like, kick ass. Yep. So episode eight was about the 96 um, playoffs and finals? Yes. And you said that was your favorite episode. Why? I think so because um, it just showed, uh, you know, the series against the Seattle Supersonics with uh, against Gary Payton, Sean Camp, and George Carl. Um, and it was just a big deal emotionally for the documentary because of... Um, Michael Jordan won the title on Father's Day, so it's pretty powerful. He was, you know, sobbing like a baby for um, a while, uh, so it's just shows how much it meant to him. In the 95-96 season, who did the Bulls get that was a strength? Rodman? Yes. And... Did you know that the Bulls finished with the then best regular season record in NBA history? 72 10, yes. 72 10. Only surpassed by who? The Warriors. But do you remember the uh, year? 72, well, the, wasn't it, uh, the season? 2016? No, 2015 to 16. All right. 
But yeah, I mean that that's that's amazing that they kept that record for twenty years. Yeah, it's a tough record to beat. Yeah. Jordan led the league in scoring with thirty point four points per game and won the league's regular season and all-star game MVP awards. In the playoffs, the Bulls lost only three games in four series. Miami, they went 3-0, so they swept the, the Miami Heat. New York Knicks, 4-1. Orlando Magic, 4-0. Wow. Yeah. And then they defeated the Seattle Supersonics in 4-2. Yep. In the NBA Finals to win their fourth championship. And he was named Finals MVP for a record fourth time, surpassing Magic Johnson's three Finals MVP awards. Yep. Amazing. I know a big debate about the Seattle series was that uh, they didn't have Gary Payton, who was Defensive Player of the Year and a great defensive player, guarding Michael Jordan the entire series. And then once they switched their mind, the Pacers did win two games, so... Would it have won the Seattle series? Um, no. But yeah. Because this was his first championship since his father's murder, and it was won on Father's Day, he reacted very emotionally upon winning the title, including a memorable scene of him crying on the locker room floor with the yeah, king well, ball. Yeah, I just said the Pacers. I mean the Supersonics, yeah. Yeah. It was almost like fate that he had to win it. Because, I mean, come on, he won on Father's Day. It just seems very, like, Shakespearean. Yeah, like it, it was supposed to go it there. It was fate. Yeah. Huh. Did the episode touch on the 96-97 season or was it only dealing with 95-96? Episode 8. I think it was just dealing. It, didn't, it was only about... It didn't talk about the uh, Utah Jazz. No, that was... Episode 9. Yeah. Okay. And 10. So each episode's basically about a season. Pretty much, kind of. When they won, like, the three. Plus, they have little flashbacks of the last season in 98, the last end season. So, it's, like, going back and mm-hmm. forth, kind of, between a season and, and then that, more or less. Did you learn anything from these episodes that you didn't know before? You know, sure, I learned stuff. It's basically just, like, a refresher of things I already knew once upon a time. But um, it's always good to... So Gary Payton defended Michael Jordan? Yeah. Wow. And you believe he should have gotten the MVP? No, or I that's mean, just a controversy? Gary Payton was defensive player of the year. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Yeah, you know, that has so nothing to do with the finals. It's the NBA regular season. Yeah, but you were saying that people, what, didn't think... No, they were just people thought that Gary Payton should have defended Michael Jordan the entire series. That's it. But he didn't. No. Who defended Michael Jordan? It was different guys, I think, in game. So who made that decision? Two, the coach. Why? I don't know. Do you think if Gary Payton had defended him that they might not have won? Or do you think it was always destined? Like I always said the Bulls would still win the series. Because they were just like yeah, good on idea. fire. Yeah. He just had that competitive edge. Yeah. Because he lost the fall, the, I mean, the previous year. Yep. To the Magic, and he wasn't going to lose again. Yes. They just had a better team. I mean, you know, Pippen, Jordan Robin, uh, you know, all those guys playing at a very high level. You know, the Sox had two stars, Sean Kemp and Gary Payton, but, you know, honestly, n- none of those guys are better than, you know, Pippen or, or Jordan. So... 
Yeah. It was. Are um, they Hall of Famers? Yeah. Okay. Well, I know Gary Payton is. I'm not sure about Sean Kemp. Right I'll look now. him up. I don't think he is. Was that he the? Was all, he was a big star for a while, though. I mean, he's really. Was that the only time the Seattle Supersonics went to the finals? Um. In in the nineties, yeah. Okay. Um. Wow. Yeah, Gary or not Gary Payton. Sean Kemp was with Seattle for eight years. That was the longest reign he ever had with a team. The back end of his career killed him because he put on a lot of weight. I remember, and his he was with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and yeah, he was extremely athletic. Yeah, he was the youngest player, Sean Kemp, at the time when he was drafted. Hmm. He was drafted in '89, first round, and he was uh, had the nickname Rain Man. Yep, I knew that. I had a Sean Kemp jersey in elementary school. And you're right, he peaked in, in that season. Actually, this is interesting, did you know this? The Supersonics, I don't know if this touched on it in the documentary, the Supersonics in 95-96 led, they were, it was a franchise record, 64 wins, and their first NBA Finals appearance since 1979. Yeah. So they had a lot to like lose. Yes. And I mean, they still pushed them to six games. Yeah, they got it. <laughs> In the finals, that. Sean Kemp posted per game averages of 23.3 points on 55% shooting from the field, 10 rebounds, and 2 blocks. He played well. He finished a second, a close second in finals MVP voting, almost becoming the second player to win the award despite being from the losing team. Yeah, the first well. player was Charles Barkley. Um, or no, th- that was for the regular season. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, that's... that's I mean, I, I would not want to go against the heavily favored Chicago Bulls. I mean, it was it's a lot of the pressure. underdogs in NBA Finals history, statistically, in, in Vegas. So they're like a big, long shot. So the fact that they even put six games is pretty remarkable, I think. Right. Yeah, it's amazing. So it was like never really... Was that never duplicated with, like, an underdog really taking on a heavily favored team? Or was every team kind of net and neck? The Warriors. Yeah, but they they had LeBron. So So the Warriors were heavily favored. Right. Because they had basically won. They almost won four in a row. The Warriors. Yeah, almost. Interesting. um, I don't think Sean Kemp is uh, in the uh, Hall of Fame. Yet. The Warriors and Cavs upset. You know, or the, yeah, the Warriors and Cavs upset is a historical beat, no doubt. I mean, it's got to be. Oh, didn't you say also about Steve Kerr? Was one of the episodes about him? Or that was, was episode nine. Oh, okay. So about the punch in the face or something? Well, yeah, they touched on that before, but I'm just saying that's. The, his big part was in episode nine where they talked to him a lot about his father's death, which yeah. we'll touch on later. Yeah. But, um, yeah, um, the Cleveland Warriors series was a huge uh, shock to everyone when the Warriors lost because they won 73 games. So the season they set the record, they didn't win the finals. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, 2016. Yep. Wow. So it was kind of... That's unprecedented. Yeah. 
it left a bitter taste in everyone's mouths. Yeah. And rightfully so. But then they won the f- next two years, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, they made a comeback. <laughs> yeah, well, Kevin Dur- Durant came to the Warriors the next year, so. Yeah. All right, well, back to the... <laughs> Back to the Chicago Bulls. Um, anything else to add about episode seven or eight, or you think you covered everything? I think I pretty much covered everything. So the series um, is really compelling. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. If you love sports, uh, it's definitely something you need to check out. And I think I read that there was over five hundred hours of footage. Yeah, it's crazy. Imagine that they have to narrow it down to ten hours. Crazy. Under Hall. Now, do you think that Michael Jordan giving them unprecedented access to his footage? I mean, they wouldn't have been able to make it without his approval. Well, yeah. Well, the, those those are some of the complaints because they're like, well, Michael Jordan had too much control. Because his production it. company yeah, yeah. produced it, yeah. Yeah, he had too much. But doesn't it show him an unflattering thing? light? He comes I mean, across as bitter and somewhat, kind of like. Yeah, somewhat, you know, but, you know, he still has. Fo- creative control of pretty much everything so but didn't you also say that his former teammates and everything don't talk favorably about him when they do the interviews the uh, talking head interviews at times you know they do say that he was kind of a bully and yeah hard to deal with but what I also read is that the fact is that he was kind of he would make fun of people or kind of give like them like hell but he actually respected Dennis Rodman like he liked him even though Dennis Rodman was quirky and kind of off the wall and especially like in the 90s he was you know wearing wedding dresses he was like you know he got like he had craziness Dennis Rodman because Dennis Rodman put rings on his damn fingers no I know but also wasn't it true that like Dennis Rodman like had like a wild night and they came in but he still hustled and still like played and then he knew like okay I'm just gonna like lay lay, like off him because he's gonna come through yeah, well, every night he had a wild night. <laughs> That's, that was just his life back then. Yeah. Especially on the Bulls. He was yeah. Just but I'm saying crazy. a lot of people, like, what I read is, like, they gave Rodman, like, hell. Mm-hmm. They thought he was, like, weird. And, well, like, the media. Yeah, but Michael Jordan, like, never talked trash about him. Yeah, it's kind of a witch hunt. The yeah. media back then. Because the world was a lot more conservative and just... Yeah, but really, was it, though? Then. Was it... I mean, didn't think seem about like that, but the media, the media was even more. Yeah, but that's the era of tabloid talk shows. I know, but the media was just a little more conservative than it is now. I think. But we had Bill Clinton getting. Now someone like this, Robin. Yeah, Bill Clinton was getting impeached. What do you mean it was conservative? Well, I'm just saying. You could watch the president and doing sexual acts we'll do on witch TV. Hunts more back then, like about. Things that were kind of well, upside. what we didn't really have, we didn't really have twenty four hour news cycle like we do now. I right. mean, we had CNN, Fox News was coming about, but it wasn't like hey, you could read stuff on your phone every second, right? Every minute, it it like updates. We didn't have that. Yeah, I'm sure Dennis Rodman would have been viral. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. He's a great player, though. I mean, no doubt. But had he taken better care of himself, I just wonder what. You know, I think you touched upon that in a, yeah. a previous episode. Yeah. But still, five rings, that ain't bad for all his, you know, mm-hmm. wild times. Five rings and arguably one of the greatest defensive players ever and probably the greatest 
rebounder ever, and certainly the best pound for pound rebounder ever, no doubt. Let me just ask you something too. Was he more fun to watch? Because I think that you watch both of these series. Was he more fun to? And I'm talking about Dennis Rodman. Was he more fun to watch on the Bulls in like the late '90s, or was he more fun to watch in the late '80s on the Pistons? I think the Bulls. I really loved when him and Malone would go at it, and because he was in his prime then. Yeah. Well, they, it was just Carl Malone and. and Dennis Rodman, so you're talking about two big stars, and they faced off in the finals two years in a row. Did um, Dennis Rodman, he was a center? Well, no, he was a, I guess. Did he guard him? Yeah, I think he guarded Mullen a lot in the series. Yeah. Carl Mullen's a great player. He's a Hall of Famer, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He lit up the Bulls. He played really well against them, but they just didn't win the series. They were just overmatched. Right. Well, anyway, uh, we will, like I said, finish out this series with episodes 9 and 10, so stay tuned for that. All right, that was a very inter- interesting discussion. Thanks for tuning in, and everyone stay safe and be careful out there. All right, bye. Bye.